the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex Gardening website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and this week my special guest was Tom Cole from Rittle University College. And we started by discussing his open days this week at Rittle University College. Yes, of course, uh, it's the local place for all those horticultural courses, university degrees, and they've got a couple of open days this week. And then, of course, we chatted to Paula about Busy Lizzie's. Now, Busy Lizzie's, of course, have um, gone through a difficult time of late because they had a nasty disease, um, a mildew disease, which they've struggled to get rid of. But anyway, if uh, you listen to what we were chatting about and you can then decide whether you want to grow Busy Lizzie yourself. Well, before we get to your gardening questions, myself and Tom Cole can bring you some top tips on things you could be getting on with the garden in the next few days, well, maybe the next week. Um, don't just think because it's winter you can hide away. That's not on, is it, Tom? Absolutely not. Get out there. <laughs> and it's good exercise after the sort of excesses. It of is indeed. Christmas. So, where do you start? Um, I'm actually outside doing pruning. I'm pruning fruit trees, uh-huh. fruit trees, soft fruits. Fruit trees like apples and pears, just doing a light trim, taking out any crossing branches, mm-hmm. dead disease, damage growth, any suckers from the base of the plant, which comes from the root system, um, anything that's going in towards the middle, cutting it to a bud that goes out towards the Change edge so it keeps the, the flow of air uh, really improved, less disease. Best the way forward. So what soft fruit can we do at this time of the year as well? Well, all your raspberries, uh, blackberries, hybrid berries, bush fruit like currants and gooseberries. Yeah. Uh, not much to do to strawberries. They would have been sorted it's out just, in the autumn. I mean, they should have had all their dead leaf and removed from around them. Yeah, good they? practice on all of those plants yeah. to just rake away. But things like canes, like summer fruiting raspberries, cut out last year's cropping wood to Should the have been done. Should have been done. But you've got until, you got until bud burst. We've got until fe- mid-February onwards to do that. Is there anything else you need to do around, you know, software as an example? Is it worth adding compost at this time of year or is it a bit not worth it much not, at this not, time? Not really worth it. You can. I mean, you look at some some uh, sort of like the fruit garden display, wonderful publication, where it talks about splitting up, old, your, yeah, splitting up your fertilisers. So you could actually put things like potassium and phosphorus down now, mm. but not nitrogen. Nitrogen creates lush, sappy growth too early. So, But I tend to actually put all of the feed down from March onwards. Use okay. a general purpose feed, about 35 to 50 grams a square metre. Well, we're going to stay on fruit, aren't we? Well, fruit, but it is a vegetable, is. and of course that's rhubarb. It's, it's it is one of the most confusing things in the in, in the book, isn't it? That and tomatoes, isn't it? Tomatoes are fruit, exactly, isn't it? Yes. That we could treat so as a vegetable. So it's a cucumber, but we, yeah, we treat it as a salad. It's it's balmy, isn't it? Well, let's just stick to rhubarb. Now, rhubarb, I think, is one of the greatest crops that's around because it's so simple. You can grow it in a tub, you can grow it in the garden, and you don't really have to do much to it at all. Except at this time of year, and I always remember my old dad, he had a series of fairly rusty buckets, and they were rusty buckets. He wasn't a posh guy when it came to gardening at all. He didn't have any of those fancy terracotta pots that you force rhubarb with. No, it was a bit of old straw inside and a rusty bucket. But we were producing within... You know, if you put them on now, within a month to six weeks, you can pull some of those lovely, soft, pink 
pieces of rhubarb. So you can get a really early crop of rhubarb, get it in the oven, nicely cooked, oranges into it, bit of crumble on the top. What do you reckon? That's it, lovely. And then just let the plant carry on growing oh, naturally, yes. don't yeah. you? And that's the important thing, that if you for don't force every, every plant, it's worth forcing a couple and letting letting those grow on a bit more leisurely and don't pull those so hard because you've pulled a lot of energy from that plant by forcing it. And you're putting the pot over the top? Over the top with straw inside. That's it. Simple Great. as that. Very simple. It is. Well, I'm nipping back into the greenhouse now. Oh, yeah. uh, I spent enough time outside. And uh, checking all those dahlias that we did lift oh, yeah. pre uh, the frosts. Uh, in dahlias, cannas, any of the other plants you're sort of trying to get through that winter period, even things like fuchsias and geraniums, they do tend to get a bit of botrytis on the leaves, that sort of grey mould. So picking those off, picking any leaves off from the base. Any soft dahlia tuber, if it's really soft and spongy, chuck it, chuck it out onto the old yeah. compost heap. Do check those, make sure there's no water collecting around them. Even the cannas don't overly water. I mean, basically at the at the Ritzwood University College, we just put them into trays. They're in a, a fairly cool glass house and they're left to sort of tick over until the new year. Then we pot them up and grow them on. So we can explain that a bit later on. Yes. And yeah. we could explain how to take cuttings absolutely. a bit later on as well. Yeah, so that's a good one. Um, trees. Now, if you are able to not... Are able to plant trees? If you want to plant trees, small trees, sapling trees, big trees, uh, it's a great time of the year to buy a cheaper type of tree. Now, not all garden centres sell them, if I'm honest, do they, Tom? No, they've got and the that's space. a bare root tree. But, however, a lot of mail order and good nurseries will sell those. And what it means is that the tree has been dug up during the dormant period, which is right now. It's a great time to plant those, particularly if you're doing hedging. You know, beach hedging, natural hedging with, uh, say, uh, rows and, and hornbeams and all those ones that you can plant. You can buy them bare root. You can buy privet bare root. You can buy all sorts of plants. Anything. Bare root. Pretty well anything. Anything for hedging. Anything for hedging you can buy. But also, remember, you can buy trees. So it's a great time to look round, look at the prices and think, ah, I can get perhaps a sorbus or sorbus or caperia, you know, a lovely, a lovely um, nice mountain ash. Nice mountain ash, and I can buy it. Look, it's ten pound cheaper. They are. There's, they, a, there's a massive change in price. There is. It's at least ten pounds. So look out for that and get planting. Now, when you plant, just dig a hole. Don't if it's clay soil. Don't form a bit of a. a, a don't smooth the sides at all. Leave them rough. Fork the bottom over a little bit um, before you. Add any, if you do use a planting compost, add it to the soil that you're going to put back. Don't just dump it in the hole because the plant will not like it. See, so spread the roots nicely and always stake a tree, particularly if it's bare root because it's got less to hold on to. But uh, stake it, 45 degree angle stake at the base of the tree. You don't ram through the roots that way and just put a buckle tie on it. Is that what you do, Tom? If I can see the root system, I can put the stake in vertically. You could do yeah. that. It's only if you can see the roots. I clearly. feel like angled. So I think they you hold go them up for better. It. You go for it. They are deciduous <laughs> trees. Uh, well, back on. We're on to the lawn now. Yep. Uh, so hopefully everyone's tidied up their lawn of, of leaves. But you know, we always get leaves blowing on. Take those off, rake them off, and at the same time, sort of uh, brush off any worm casts that have uh, been created. Because that really, really makes it muddy. Otherwise, well, it does, it? and also it sort of stops the light getting to some of those grasses. You end up with a patchier uh, lawn. Uh, this is just the remnants of the of one or two species of earthworm that actually leave their cast on the surface. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the material. You can even 
can collect the material up and use it it's in your good. compost. It's great compost. But if you use like a stiff broom or a besom broom uh, or even those rubber tined ones, just flick them and just flick it across the soil and uh, the lawn and it will just disintegrate and disappear. But don't go on that lawn if, if it's, it's too, too wet. wet. So actually, when I was passing through today, though, some of those fields are flooded. So if it's spongy, get off it, go back into the greenhouse and do your other work. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Some top tips there to keep you busy in the garden this week. Let's go to your calls now. And we started by chatting with Paula. And Paula wanted to know about busy Lizzie's. Good morning, gentlemen. Happy New Year. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, right, I've saved busy... I grew a few busy Lizzie's last year and didn't have any problem with grey mould. Now, I, I would like to grow a lot more, but I wondered if you knew what the situation was with this grey mould. Well, it, it's... it. It's a type of grey mould, but it's specific, isn't it, Tom, yes. to Wait, busy Lizzie's? It's... It has not been sorted, but, you see, the problem is with it, people, you, you just said exactly what a lot of people, if I said, if I were you, I would not grow Busy Lizzie, this is my opinion, I wouldn't grow Lizzie, Busy Lizzie at the moment, because in theory they haven't bred it out of them. Right. But, but there's a big but there, because then people ring up and say, oh, I grew them, just like you did, Paula. I grew them last year, had no trouble at all. It depends on where they're being grown. If they're in a very open aspect, they are less likely to run into trouble. Right. I was it's for hanging baskets. I wanted to well, grow them. Where Where did you grow them this year? Out of interest. Just in little tubs in the front of yeah. the house. So they were out. They were open. But if you put them in a big bed where they're quite tight and close and close to a house or a hedge or something, they're more likely to get into trouble. And that's that's the problem with these type of diseases, isn't it? Yeah. Tom? So they sort of the spores fester because there's not a great deal of airflow. But where you've got them in your tubs, where it's a bit more exposed, and even if you put it hanging basket, even better. Yeah. Uh, then you would get probably a better quality plant. Oh, so, I'll have a go then. Yeah, it's worth having a go. And let's face it, you can always out them halfway through the season and pop well, something yeah. else in. You I'll know, it's, it's in. exactly. Well, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I think um, I know. You know, lots of people don't like begonias, but I, I think some of those training begonias—they're great value. You can't beat them, and especially some of the perfumed ones. They're absolutely fantastic. The apricot shades, as an example, are just magnificent. But they go they? right the way through into yeah. the frosts. What do you reckon, I, I Paula? Don't suppose you remember, I spoke to you last year. Uh -huh. I'd, I'd saved yellow begonias. Yep. And when they came up yep. last year, they came up creamy white. I remember you said something about that, yeah. yeah. Never ever found out the reason, I mean they looked quite pretty but they were disappointing because they were yeah. so pale. Shouldn't, shouldn't happen but does, isn't that right Tom? <laughs> anyway, let us know anyway, Paula. Well, Can you keep in touch and let us know how you get on with your busy Lizzies? Yes, I'll I'm, I'm sowing seed in the greenhouse now. Brilliant, brilliant. Well okay. Thank you. Thank you, that's Paula down in Hockley and we go from Paula in Hockley to Brentwood to John. Hello John. Morning, Tom, and and uh, and uh, me. It's Ken. Ken. <laughs> Morning. He's the man. Happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Went right out of my mind then. Um, I'm a little bit worried because everything appears to be growing in the garden. It will. I've got uh, rhubarb sticking his head through. Uh, the roses are all sprouting. In fact, yep. I've got I've got roses with buds and flowers. Mm. On. Well, and I mean. 
to give you an idea, John, last week when I was talking on the programme, and in fact I've just looked at, because there's a thermometer in here that tells us what the roof temperature is. Now, the roof temperature today is only 4. Last week it was 9.5. Yeah. While I was sitting here in the studio at this time of the day. Now, the thing is, stuff... I'm, I'm all right, Tom, you're the university college man... About three degrees, things will grow, won't they? Yes, it's, uh, they'll start to spring into life, all the processes From start three. to... Yeah, they will do. So that means grass is growing, your rhubarb is growing, your growing. rose is sprouting, everything, everything's <clears throat> happening. And I can see your problem, because then you start to question, particularly in January, how do I prune it and when do I prune it? Is that right, John? Yes, exactly. I started sort of shortening them a little bit, uh, and everything's in bud, and I think to myself, well, that's leaving... Um, you know, if they die off, what's going to happen? Is it going to put the plant right out? Plants sort themselves out, don't they, Tom? They do, they do well, really. Yes. I mean, yeah, we've got cold weather coming, but what does a plant do, Tom? Well, I, I was still, I mean, things like roses, I would, I, things like bush roses, I would wait anyway until about February, mid-March, the very, very latest, and do your, do your pruning there. It's not worth doing much on them at the moment. Unless, unless they're quite long, whippy growth, then... You know, and you want to you want to avoid things like windrock. Then I just reduce the plant by about a quarter, or maybe a half. Half. Uh, just straight the way across. Uh, I don't even worry about cutting it to a bud actually because it's temporary. But of course, when you do that, if it's nice and warm, it can trigger growth. Um, and what will happen is then we get a drop in temperature and a significant one. It just browns the tips. So it could suppress the plant's growth for a little while. But plants are very resilient. All your woody types are very resilient. They'll bounce back and they will. St- there won't be. There'll be minimal impact, I would think, on flowering. What's the other thing you mentioned was uh, rhubarb, John? Yeah, yeah. I've got uh, I've got three three or four crowns, and um, they've all got uh, a bright uh, green uh, foliage sticking yeah. through about half an inch. Yeah, I think. I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't worry, would you, John? I wouldn't overly worry unless you knew there's going to be a massive, massive, massive deep frost, and you're worried about that tissue that's been exposed. I'd probably just put a, a nice friable mulch over the top of them. But sometimes when you do that, it can trap that cold air. So for me, just leave them alone, and uh, they will they will actually be very responsive as you're coming into the spring. But yeah, it's tempting, isn't it? Because some things are also flowering when we didn't think they should be flowering at the moment. Okay, then, John. Thank you. That's a pleasure. 0300 200 4041. John brought up an interesting comment there. And uh, it means that, you know, we, we rattle over to uh, Onga, don't we, and talk to Cathy, because you've just, you're just bringing up something that, in fact, um, was mentioned uh, yeah, by Tom. Yes- I saw it yesterday in Chelmsford. Uh, you know the shops in Gloucester Avenue? There's this St. Lutes church on the corner there. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. Yeah, well, there's a, a clump of daffodils out there. Fabulous. Fabulous. I thought, they... I thought, oh! <laughs> Are they tall ones or short ones, were they? Fairly short, fairly They're the short. short. Some of the miniatures, do you think, yeah, were they? Yeah. I yeah. know, see, spring is just round the corner, but we're most... the Catkins are out in the 414, aren't they? Yes, yeah. oh yes. Oh yeah. Oh, Looking yeah. good, isn't it? It is, isn't it? You know, it's this warm and cold weather, it's fooling the plants. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's really nice to know, Cathy's. And, uh, you know, anybody else has got anything that's out and flowering, we'll be pleased to hear from them as well, won't we, Cathy? Hope so, yeah. OK, thank you Thanks. very much for your call. Thank you, uh, Barry. They are look out for daffodils, just as Cathy spotted them in Chelmsford yesterday. That's yellow daffodils by the church, St Luke's. 
Uh, give us a call now, 0300 200 4041. You can text us straight into the studio here with 81333. Start your text with Essex. Let's go now back to the calls and we go to John in Chelmsford. Hello, John. Good morning. Hi. Um, I've just, I had a new lawn, two new lawns laid in October um, and they've come up lovely. It's like walking on a carpet, but they're growing. Um, and I'm wondering when is it safe to cut to cut it? And should the mower be on top height? It's interesting because if I'd had a lawn laid in October, I would have already cut it a couple of times it, at least. It, 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 I managed to cut. It's managed to cut once. Good. Um, but the weather closed in and. I've been in hospital, so and oh, that's right. the, end, well, the, the import- end of it. The important um, thing is, yes, yes, it's important with a new lawn to keep cutting it, but it is important <clears> the height, isn't it? It's very important, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, just tipping or no, yeah. absolutely no more than a half at any one time. You've got to leave enough there for the plant to regenerate. But at this time of the year, maybe just as tipping soon as you it. get it dry. Yeah, and <clears> tipping it will probably just be enough, and that will cause some branching lower at the base. Um, not to do it when it's you know frosty. I mean, it's frosty this morning. Yeah, I mean, got to wait for all that to come off, or you can actually sweep off things like dew and stuff like that. So we got no moisture on, on the tops of the grasses, and then cut. But I suppose that the, we haven't really cut so much of the college. It's so wet. We got it's a few difficult. drying days this week. But we haven't got rain for yeah. the beginning of the week. But so if we get a few dry days, then yeah. you can follow it through with the mowing. And it's it's best to do that. Otherwise, you know, the plant gets gets out of control. Yeah, I know. It's one. <laughs> That's why I'm getting a bit sort of worried. <laughs> no, I think I think you'll be fine within the week. Yeah, this <clears> week should be good because it's supposed to be have some dry weather, and that way we can you know get out there and do it. But sweep any worm cast off and Absolutely. brush any sweeping and off. cleaning first. Uh, we'll be going to the uh, going to the travel in just a little while. But before that, we'll talk to Maureen from Leon C. Hello, Maureen. Oh, good morning. Um, I've just got a question um, about hydrangea that I've had in a container for probably about eight years, I would oh, think. Oh, right, long time, yeah. Um, now, it's it's obviously struggling because last year I didn't get many flowers at all. Um, it also has a rogue plant that somehow got in there, a, a weed-type thing, which is taking over. Right. So, really, I need to, to repot it, but I don't know when's the best time to do that. You could do it now, actually. This afternoon. I would actually take the whole plant out of the container. Mm-hmm. Ease out the the uh, rogue. the rogue, <laughs> the weed, and yeah. um, the pot is in at the moment. What size is it, in, is it roughly across? Oh, I don't know, about fifteen inches, I would oh, think. Go up to okay. quite a bit more. Can I you? go up to about a two foot by two foot yep. pot. Yes. Uh, go for something like um, you're going to have to move it around a bit, or are you happy to put, plant it, put it in a pot, and leave it there to stand? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So you could, could use that. something like a John Innes type compost, a soil based compost, number two or three yeah. actually. Go for number three. It's very strong. It's got good fertility. Yeah. Uh, that would be great for it. Don't prune it. <clears throat> just leave it alone. Just leave it alone for this year. All right. Uh, has it has it got any old flowers from last year on there? And they said it was very poorly flowered. Has it got one or two? Just, just have a look and see. Hold on a second. I've got a thing, I cut them all off. That's all right, fine, you've then. done right. That's, fine. That's what That's he was going to suggest. <laughs> well, yeah, I, yeah. I did, I cut them all off. Good. Fine, so no, no need to prune at all, just make sure you get into that compost. Water in, actually, and yep. then leave it. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Is it an open day at Ripple University College? Yeah, we've got a couple of events coming up this week. 
And what's going on? So we've got a university open day on Wednesday. Uh, all of the curriculum areas are going to be covered. Some are opening as early as 10 in the morning, some at 11. Um, but basically, during the day, it's a great time to come in if you're looking at uh, higher education. You know, give the college a phone. I'll get that number in a minute. And then if you're a further education person and wanting to do things like apprenticeships or level two, level three based programs, full or part time, then we've got a great open event on Saturday the 13th between 10 and 1. Every single curriculum area will be offered. Farms open. You can go and see animals. You can see the fabulous grounds at the moment, Can They look brilliant. So give the college a phone on 01245 424200 or look at the website uk. Let's now pop over to Bromley in Kent. Hello, Pat. Hello. Are you a regular yes, listener? I hope you're a regular listener yes, to BBC. I, yes, I am. Good. Um, yes. I've got an erythemum. Yep. I don't know if that's if I'm pronouncing it properly. You mean it's, like it's a hard, hardy wallflower? The, yes. Yeah. That's right, yes, yes, yeah. yes. And it's now grown, I've got two actually, and they've grown into very big bushes. Can I cut them down? Because the <laughs> bottom of them look dead, but the top is still quite big. They Can do. Right down? They do grow large, don't they? They really do. Is they it the pur- purple one, is yes. it, you've got? Yes. That's bold. Yes, I love bold it. Purple. The bees love it. Yeah, it's, I mean, they flower fairly early, um, so I you're going to have it. So, so you're going to get some of those flowers occurring on that top growth. I'd actually leave them until they start flowering, and the next time when they finish flowering, that's when I'd cut them a little bit harder. How much would you cut off, Tom? Because Only about a quarter to a third. I don't. You'll kill them. Yeah, you? I don't cut them down to the ground. I mean, that purple one is amazing. It's got a love. It's got a lovely sort of bluey grey leaf. Yeah. yeah, it's a lovely purple. Absolutely, plant. yeah. <clears throat> but the bottom part of it, you know, about a foot up, is kind of all dead. Mm. Yeah, so you can can't. I cut them right down? No, you no, can't no. cut into that. You'll what, kill it. What I would do is let it, let it, let it get to a flowering stage. As it finishes flowering, then reduce yeah. the growth and cut just above uh, that older wood, and hopefully you'll get some new shooting from the base. All oh, right. Okay, that's fine. Is that all right? It's a lovely plant. Now, yes, that's lovely. Someone, someone is saying that with regard to lawn mowing, surely the ground is too soft to be putting a petrol. Well, it says fly mower, but petrol mower over it um no i wouldn't agree we i mean as contractors we will mow do you know i nearly mowed we were talking earlier i i was down near burnham in a garden uh talking to ray about it about how high the river was um and the garden was very wet some of the beds were actually laying in water but when i trod on the lawn it was a little spongy there were no worm casts and i nearly mowed it was just i had too much other stuff to do but i would have mowed Purely, it was spongy. Yeah, but it wasn't muddy. No, no, and that, if it's that, not muddy, well, you the, can that's mow. The, that's the key you? thing. I mean, it's like when you do anything, really, you look and see what the conditions are like. And if it's really, really wet and spongy, and you can see there's a big difference, I, I personally wouldn't use a mower. But then we've got a few days where it's going to be dry. Yes, I would. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, also there's a slight incline as well. You, do you really want to be doing that at the moment? No, you'll be slide. slipping and sliding. You'll be smearing the top of the lawn. So it's looking at the conditions. If the um, conditions are right, then I would do it. And always watch when you <clears> turn <throat> the mower. Not to pivot on one point, otherwise you'll have nice little ball pot And spots. it depends on which mower you've got, because some <laughs> have a cog in the middle, which allows <clears> the two mower, the two rear cylinders oh, to, to work s- against yeah. each other, whereas other mowers are fixed, and they don't allow that, which means that they spin more. So it's actually it's what you're using. And if you use a wheeled one, we have 
haven't got to worry about that. If no. one's got wheels or it's a hover mower, you haven't got to worry, have you? So there are lots of options for getting out there and cutting your lawn. And don't be afraid to do it because, as Tom was saying earlier, if you keep topping it, you encourage new growth from the base, don't you, yeah. Tom? No, I mean, and also no feeding at this time of the year, oh, not no, until you definitely. come into March at least. Uh, so all we're doing is clearing the surface, tipping the grass, keeping those edges clean and tidy. Yeah. Don't forget to edge. Makes the garden. It makes it really pop out, doesn't it? It does. Garden looks fantastic. 81333 is where Reg in Thorpe Bay has it. That's 81333. Start your text with Essex. And that phone number to call us is 0300 200 4041. That's 0300 200 4041. Reg says he's in Thorpe Bay. He has a vine, southwesterly facing. It hasn't he hasn't pr- hasn't had time to get out there and prune it yet. He's, what's he been what doing? What are these people doing? What are they doing? <laughs> Is it too late or will it bleed? If it's not too late, how hard should I prune it? Well, of course, it depends. Depends on, on how and why how you're growing it. Why you want, why you're growing it? Are you growing it for grape? Yeah. Are you growing it as a as, as a, a, as a cu- or as a cover on a pergola mm. or on the side of a wall? So should we take it? He's doing it for grapes. Okay. Let's start with that. Right. So basically, we need to know that grapes flower on new growth. Yep. So what we want to do, that means we can prune hard if we want to, because all the new growth will ultimately give us flowers and fruit. So what you're really looking at is just keeping those main laterals, yeah. isn't it? So and, and also, I mean, time of the year, December, January, oh, it's fine. Uh, and then they won't overly uh, bleed. Do them much later, yes, they will. And yes, you will be doing some pruning in the summer just to let light into where the fruit is. So what I tend to do is if I'm growing it on a wall, uh, and I've got galvanised wires, I will basically splay out the branches. You can do it that way. Uh, and literally have key branches you always keep and cut to, um, tying them in lovely. So I do it as a fan, really. So I've, I've cut it quite hard when it was young, and I've got three or four shoots that are developed. I've tied those shoots in. Once they're tied in, I tip them to an outward-facing bud. I did that in December, January. As a result... Any buds on that stem will shoot out now for this summer. Potentially, they could all give us flowers and fruit. How short are those shoots that you're talking about? The ones that are formed on the old growth. No, yeah. How how short are you cutting them back to? Those. Um, those, those I, will cu- I will cut those back to. This is off one the or t- main stem. Yeah, so we're so saying main stem. You've got side shoots. Yeah, and you're one or two buds. Sometimes two some buds. people go much harder than that. Yeah. Um, because we know they flower on new growth. Yeah. Uh, and then with that growth that emerges from that, you might need to tie that in because with, with vines, they become very top-heavy. They do. Um, so that's that's one way of doing it. You can even do it as an espalier, a series of horizontal that's tiers like. of branches. Mm. And you could follow your apple tree pruning same for spur-bearing types. Yeah, so that would be the same sort of principle. There's a great website if he, if he likes sort of surfing the net. Um, just go to the RHS, Royal Horticultural Society. Actually, just type in grapevine followed by RHS. It will take you to the profile page. I used to have a great book on just great There's ones. There's loads of pruning techniques. Just trying to think who it was. No, gone. <clears throat> but it was a great a great book I used to have. So there are. That's hopefully helped you. Yes, you can hard prune, Reg. Yes, you can do it now. Well, this afternoon. You've got to listen to the rest of the programme, of course, haven't you? <clears throat> Let's now go back to the phones. That number, as I said, is 0300 200 4041. That's the... Uh, that's the number to call. That's 0300 200 4041. Text me 
8133. Start your message with the word Essex and we'll talk straight away to you. Alan in, was it Alan in Wickford or Norman? No, we're going to talk to Alan in just a moment, but we'll talk to Norman first in Bishop Stalford. Hello, Norman. What fruit are you growing? Uh, well, I'm not here. I'm just wondering if I can or not. I was watching um, Country File last Sunday and it was from New Zealand. And they oh, were right. growing kiwi fruit. Yes. Commercially. Yes. And their weather's not totally dissimilar to ours, is it? Right. OK. Well... I was, was going to put some more apples in me, apple trees in me orchard, and I thought, cool, that'd be nice putting a couple of those in. Right. Well, let me tell you then, if you... if I don't know whether you... Are you a webby-type person or not? Um, yeah, well, a bit. Well, if you... <laughs> I'm going to mention the podcast here, because if you listen to last week's podcast... I think it was last week's podcast, um, yeah. we were talking about it, and we had a, we had a gentleman on... Uh, that was growing kiwi fruits. He had one plant, and this year alone, he picked 100 fruits from it. And I asked him how he dealt with them. He made, his wife made jellies from them, and all different things he made from them. And he juiced some. So... Um, but they are, you have to get one that is multi-sexed, don't you? Yeah, Jenny is a good variety. They are Jenny. And so all your good garden centres would have an example of a what we call a self-fertile Self-fertile. Yeah, because on there, when they were pruning them, they said they were just cutting the flowers off. They said, might, perhaps they were... I wonder why they were doing that. They could have been... Could have been thinning them. They might have been... He said that was how they were pruning it. I guess he's... The male flowers are cutting off, I don't know. Male flowers cutting off. Well, we don't do that, do we? Not in a self-fertile. You wouldn't Not in a self-fertile. You can't get male and female varieties. Unless they're running male and female varieties. Which is what we used... See, in the past, we always used to have to buy a male and a female kiwi to get any kiwi fruits. But now we don't have to because there are uh, self-fertile versions that we can use i mean i i again i mentioned on this program when we were talking about kiwis that i went to an experimental farm in kent uh some years ago where they'd actually set up a couple of acres of kiwis in and looking at whether it would be a commercial enterprise in the uk i haven't heard any more about english grown ones in uh, kent so perhaps it didn't survive but in your own garden, this gentleman said he grows it on, a, I think it was a south or southwest wall, and he was very successful indeed. So, yeah, the answer is, Norman, yes. I was just going to put it in the orchard where the apple trees are. You've got it. They do need sun, don't they, Tom? They will need good yeah, aspect. Sun. They need good sunny sides, but with shelter. Yeah, well, yeah, it's got trees around it, so that's all right. Yeah, yeah it mustn't be blown about. Give it a try. You can grow them up uh, uprights with... Uh, you know, with cord wires, you can run them up like that, or you can run them on a on a on a wired system. But you've got to support them, okay, Norman? You can, you can get them anywhere, can you? You should be able to get them. Yeah, good all good garden centres or yeah. nurseries. Or yeah. nurseries. Okay. All right. Thank you. Norm, Norman, we want we expect a basket of fruit, don't we? And now we go to, as promised, <laughs> Alan in Wickford. Hello, Alan. Hello there. <clears throat> I've got a medlar tree. Lovely. Um, from yeah, except that it's about uh, it's about seven feet tall. It does crop. It does produce medlars. Good. And to cut a long story short, it was a mistake to buy it and plant it in our garden. It's not a suitable place. Um, I, it, I, I couldn't. I can't really allow it to grow much. But it, and it's destined to be 
a reasonable sized tree. That's what meddlers do. Meddlers are, are yes, they're not massive, but they are a good sized tree. I agree yeah, with you. It's, it's, it's going to get to about sort of 15, you know, 10 foot, 15, about 15, 20 foot tall and spread, you know, because I've, I've seen a mature one. <clears throat> and so I know what they're destined to become. Now, basically, since it's not suitable to be where it is and it's, it's not too big and its roots are not too deep, um, I'd prefer not to just chop down and get rid of it. I agree. I don't know what my alternatives are. Dig it out. Well, give, give it to a friend. Uh, I will say this. Uh, I mean, we've, what, we've, they don't we've, grow we've got anything. one of the we got one of these at Rittall University College, and it's around six foot tall at the moment. It was moved from one side of the garden to the other, right? Uh, because yeah. we wanted to use that space for something else, and we've kept it at that manageable form by literally pruning. Uh, so oh, we right. lightly prune all the lateral growth, all that long, thin growth. Uh, because the yeah. fruit forms much, much, much closer to the main centre of the plant, so we can keep, we can manage it by by pruning it that way. Um, alternatively, you could actually containerize it; that will constrict its growth anyway. Put it in a uh, half and you could barrel, do, and that could be like that. that could be done before bud burst in the spring. So a nice big barrel, you'd have to do some root pruning on it to just uh, manage the size of the root ball, and you'll have to do some top pruning to accommodate for the fact it's lost some of its roots. And then plant it up; it'd be absolutely fine there as long as you keep on oh, top okay. of watering in the summer. And I'm, I'm going to. Okay, so I'm, I let it grow big. No, it's a, it's, no, it's a really I, lovely plant to have. And I'm going to emphasize that because um, I regularly go to the farm at Tip Tree for Wilkin and Son, and they have an orchard area of these of these growing, and they are all only my height. Yeah. They're kept at oh, that right, height. Okay. So, yeah. so that people can pick them easily, yeah. they prune them and control yeah, them. Yeah, so you can you can total control over those plants. It's light pruning, thinning out, and you will still have good flowers, lovely flowering plant anyway, and then you'll have some really good clusters of fruit uh, latter part of the year. Oh, I'm glad I talked to you, Blake. Yeah. Thank you Def very much. Yeah. Definitely keep and it. It's a, it's a great plant. It's a great plant to get. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk to Kath in just a moment, but I want to just go to Dave from uh, Cuffley because I didn't want to keep him waiting. He's been waiting a little while. Uh, Dave, how, what, what's your question? Hello, man, uh, chaps. Um, what's the difference between a rambler and a climbing rose? Do you know you've got a really good question there? And <laughs> yes, that's a good one. It's a good. It's not really a good question, but as years have gone by from my early gardening days, I think it has become more and more confusing, because right. ramblers used to only flower once in a season, and some of the newer ramblers flower a couple of times, don't they, Tom? So how the hell do you tell the difference? Well, cli climbing ro climbing roses. Keep that one first. Climbing roses flower on new growth only there really. is that yes. most i'm gonna say mostly new most. growth uh, and in terms of uh, looking after those you you prune the youngest growth to just in front of the main framework you never cut large swathes of the plant down at any one time okay uh, rambler uh tends to flower once but as ken's saying there are a few varieties now that will flower one or two more times than that they flower on previous seasons growth usually and the plant has got a very vigorous appearance. It's got lots of young, whippy growth that comes from the base of the plant and off the main stems. So it's a bit like a blackberry in a way. If you think okay. of a rambler as a blackberry, it's okay. basically growing in the same way. So when it comes to pruning, you prune out the old flowering wood to the ground or to where there's a long, young, whippy growth, because it's the whippy growth that's going to give us the flowers 
for this year and you just literally tie it in anywhere you like onto a framework the more you can tie it around and in on itself the better but okay. it can be confusing <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I've got the gist of it anyway. But I've got four of these, and my problem is that, in fact, they're going up. They're going up the fence, yeah. and uh, they're going up, say, fifteen. Pull them uh, down. Yeah. Pull no, them down. 15, and 15, fifteen foot, and there's no growth at the bottom whatsoever. So what you need to do is you bend those growths down. They're pliable enough. You bend them into the fr into the fence itself. You curl them right down towards the base, and right. actually, rather than being flowering at the top, they flower everywhere. And then okay. once you've got your fence covered, anything else you haven't tied in, cut right out. All right. Well, that's with the ramblers and the climbers. With the, that's the ramblers. Yeah. Oh, with if, the ramblers. Yeah. If it's a climber, you want yeah. a fixed framework you always prune to every year. So you'd have a nice fan shape. Ah. And, then, and then any growth coming off that, you cut that back to one or two buds. And then in yeah. this year, it produces lots of shoots. They terminate in either a one flower or a cluster of flowers. And if your climber is only producing at the top, Choose one of those branches bend, and bend them bend down, it down again. Yeah, bend it down. Oh. Now, you've got to stress. You've got to stress these plants sometimes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just ask another quickie? Can I? I'm just. Oh, oh blood, yeah. Okay. Blood, um, yeah. Yeah. Blood. Um, what is it? Uh, blood, blood, fish, and, and bone. A blood, fish, and bone. Is that a general fertilizer? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a the general organic like. fertilizer that you apply in the spring. But the, right. the downside is that if you've got foxes in the area, the foxes do like blood fish. You and do bones. need to turn it in. <laughs> yeah, you do need it's to turn just, it in. It's just that is a real good warning because it is. It, it was a great fertilizer, but it does cause yeah. problems with wildlife enjoying it as well. <laughs> All right, Thank Dave. Thank you very much. Ken Crowther answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. This is from Sylvia Embraitree. She says she's got. Crinum Powelli? Yes, yes, is, yeah, yeah, yes. It's like, um, it's it's a, like it's a, an amaryllis. Yeah, it's bulbous at the base. It yep. has a strap-like leaf, and it has this wonderful, has a long-extended flower spike with a trumpet, trumpets of flowers. Love, lovely plant. It is a lovely plant. Anyway, she's got, she says, made several bulbs. Can I dig up the bulbs to split it up? And when can I do it? As the bulbs are all joined... Do I just break them apart? The sad thing is with those, they like being They, they messed, actually like being constricted. Like being the, constricted. The whole of that group likes to be quite constricted because even if you were putting them in a pot, you would only ever split and divide them. They were literally crawling out over the tops of the container. I wouldn't touch so them. So I would probably leave them. So would I. Unless, you, Buy some unless, more. unless you're having to move them because of other things, then... I would just leave them well alone. Sylvia, leave them well mm. alone. Go out and buy some more. What I would do is, if there's any leaf over the top of them or any debris, I'd just get rid wake, of that. I'd, I'd rake that's not rake them away. I'd use my fingers and get that off the tops. So simple as that. <clears throat> Hope you heard that. Um, hi, Ken and Tom. Colin from Harridge here. He's in Russian, staying with his family. There you go. So how's he got hold of us? Anyway, three years ago, <laughs> we won't worry. I brought some raspberry canes for them to grow. For them to grow. Oh, the raspberries, not in Russia, sorry. Um, <clears throat> the canes are growing really well, but have never been pruned. I would like... What? Why hasn't he pruned them? He hasn't been ringing us, has he, with advice, no. for advice? He's but he's trying to now. He is. <laughs> From Russia. Well, <laughs> have never been pruned. I would like to prune them back. Any advice will be most useful, as I am not sure if to cut them all down or just take out the old canes. Well, he's actually answered his own question, but he doesn't know which one to do. So, come on, let's tell him. He's got 12 good bushes with lots of new growth from last year. 
And the old canes mm. that were fruited, sounds, so it sounds like a summer fruiting type, really. It could be. Uh, if it's a summer fruiting type, where it's got the old canes there. Cut all the old canes right down to the ground. All the ones that are remaining are vegetative. Uh, so they're just leafy with shoots. Tie those into your framework. It's roughly around about 10, 12 centimetres apart for each cane. Make sure they're tied in really, really securely. And if your cane extends the top of the support system, you're growing them up, bend over the top of the shoot and tie it in place. Um, so then that will be held in place and you can work all the way along. Any canes you can't tie in, just cut them right out. And he sent some lovely pictures of them as well. What he hasn't sent is pictures of Russia, is he? I don't think this is Russia, is it? He's sending pictures. Of... What I want to know, Colin, if you're if you are listening on the uh, on the web, um, is how cold it is and what are they growing in Russia and where are you in Russia? I mean, you know, let's get the whole story. What do you reckon? Yeah. We're only getting half the story here. Aren't what we? we should say is with the, with autumn types, they all flower new growth. Yes, they should be cut to the ground, the whole lot. So they are. Thank you very much for that, Colin. And uh, we appreciate you sending us questions from wherever you are in the world. That is the difference with the uh, podcast and the web. People can listen all around You're the world. You're international now, Ken. International, and it works that way. Give us a call now on 0300 200 4041. That's the number to call. That's 0300 200 4041. 81333. Start your message with the word Essex. And uh, I'll just go to a text now, and it's from... Uh, from uh, Georgina, Georgina from Sybil Headingham, and uh, she's saying, can she prune her cherry trees now? That's because we've been talking about pruning fruit. apples, fruit trees. No, you see? not at the moment. Now, why can't you prune well, them at this the time Well, the prunus group, which that belongs to, the cherry, plus all the other stone fruits, apricots, peaches, nectarines, damsons, all of those, they're best pruned later in the year. Uh, and in fact, the recommendation is sort of out June, July, August, because there's less chance of you spreading potential problems like bank bacterial canker and things like silver leaf. And both of those are debilitating diseases of the plant. Uh, so rather than do your pruning now, wait. That's one piece of advice. Yeah. Another piece of advice is you do them when they come into growth. So as long as they're actively growing. So as long as the sap is moving, is rising, the plant. but before the sap retreats. Uh, at the end of the year. Some people do it when they do their, their harvesting. Yeah, um, that's a I good do time. know, though, a couple of nurseries that also have done this around about March time, April, and it with no impact at all on but the plants But it's funny, well. actually, I tell this story because I always instruct our guys to, you know, never prune stone fruits no. in winter. And they were up in a garden recently and the guy said it was an avenue, it's an avenue of fruit trees and they've done all the apples and the pears, they're all done, you see, all tidied up. And he says, well, what's wrong with those? There's a plum there, there's a cherry there, and they've all got bits to here. And the guy's quite rightly said, oh, well, Ken says that we mustn't do those at this time of year. To which he said, I've been pruning those for 25 years <laughs> and I've never had any trouble with any bacterial disease. Can you prune them? So um, the customer's always right, so Absolutely. I think they pruned them. <laughs> Let's go back to the phones and that number to call is 0300 200 4041. That's the number to call. That's 0300 200 4041. Um, I think we'll just nip over to Jim in Hockley and then we'll go straight to travel. And after travel, we're going to talk to Wally in Colchester. But get your calls in in 0300 200 4041. Jim in Hockley, how can we answer your question? Hello there, yeah. Um... Yeah, what I do, I, I buy quite a lot of anything that's sort of sell-by date. Anyone's got any nurseries, yep. B&Qs or anything. Uh, I bought quite a lot of different things. One of the ones I want to know about is hydrangeas. When yep. actually do I cut them back? Uh, I've got some about 50 aces I bought as well. 
Um, and also, one of the odd ones I've got in the garden of my own is a the wisteria. <laughs> I can never seem to get the right answer with the wisteria, how far to cut it back. OK, let's start with the hydrangeas. Do you know what hydrangeas they are? Have they got a big... Have they been sold to you with a big, round, floppy head? Is that the type you've got, do you think? Yeah, I think I've got something... Blonde Bomb or something is one. Um, and I've can't remember the others, but they had the, the flowers on. They've dried off now. Oh, yeah. right. Right, OK. So it sounds like you've got mop-headed type hydrangeas, uh, yeah. so they're quite large-leafed. Uh, yeah. No pruning at all on those until at least March, coming into April, and all you've got to do is take the old flower head off, and you've yeah. got to cut it down to the next pair of really healthy buds. That's it. That's all you do. Aces... Right. Aces yeah. you can prune now. You, you do those only now. Only to shape. Only to shape. And actually, it depends on what type of ace there are. It is just shaping and taking out dead and diseased and damaged growth. You're not going to do anything too best much more left, than that. In fact, they're best left alone unless you want to do that. Yeah. That's what I thought, yeah. Yes. And, the, and the wisteria the wisteria is, it flowers on previous season's growth and older. So what you'll find in your plant is, if you're training up something, um, and you don't want the framework to extend any further, all the whippy young growth that just had leaves on last yeah. year, you can cut that back to one or two buds from the main branch it's coming off from. One or two buds. Yes, yeah, very right. short. So you're going to take a lot of that very whippy young twisty growth yeah. to leave just a little stub of growth just coming off the main framework. It's, it's not difficult at this time no. of year, is it? So now, there's some good advice on pruning. Uh, there are hydrangeas, aces and wisterias. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. My guest today is Tom Cole from Rittle University College round the corner here at Chelmsford and we are going to go straight back to the phones. Give us a call. We can still squeeze you in on 0300 200 40 41. It's as easy as that. Just pick up your phone and have a chat about gardening. And we go straight to Wally in Colchester. What advice would you like, Wally? Good morning. Uh, good morning to you, Ken and Tom. Um... I would like some advice on a beech hedge, please. Yeah. Is it a new or an old? No, it's about 50 years old. Uh-huh. And it's um, about seven feet tall. Yeah. And the problem is it's got rather wide. It's yep. sort of about four feet wide across the top. Now, is, can I reduce the width? And you when should I do it? You can do that. You can do that now. No, um, yeah, before before it all comes into leaf and it starts attracting all those lovely nesting birds. Right, uh, so yeah. you could do that. You can bring it in. Quite dramatic. You can bring it in quite dramatic. And you can also bring it down in height if you needed to. But um, yeah. you can certainly bring it down. Uh, you can definitely reduce its width. It's quite right. hard. And how, sort of how far out from the trunk is the best place? As long as you've got decent sized side shoots, you can go yeah. quite close into <clears> the trunk. You could go into about three or four inches in close to the trunk. But yeah. as long as those side branches are not too, too thick. Yeah. I see. Yeah? Okay. Radio. All right. And then yeah, give it a good that. feed in the spring. Spring onwards, yeah. Pardon? Give good. it a... A good feed in spring. I mean, I'd use something like um, something like Grow More, actually, um, about 50 grams a square metre. Something like that, uh, well, wouldn't it? You know, sprinkle it along the base, and then if you can, just lightly fork in, if it's possible. It's a it's a slower-release uh, fertiliser. And that will work quite well for them, won't it? Christina from Soham over in, Col in, in Cambridgeshire. Sorry, I'm saying Colchester. Cambridgeshire. Uh, what have you got for us, Christina? 
Uh, good morning. Hi. Um, a few weeks ago, I was listening, well, I listen to your programme every week. Good. Um, you were talking about a spring flowering jasmine. No, one? I know what we were oh. talking about. I do remember this call. It was somebody had... I can't remember who was in. I think it was Lucy was in, and we were talking about jasmines. And this this uh, listener rang up and said that they had a white flowering because they were saying, "I've got a jasmine flowering now. Which one is it?" So we went through the winter flowering jasmines, and it wasn't a winter flowering jasmine. It was actually a white summer flowering jasmine that was in flower now. Yeah, and that has happened this year, hasn't it? Yeah, because it's it was quite warm actually, quite late last year up to Christmas. A few cold snaps, but in fact, even the ones at uh, the, the college were still in bloom. It was quite interesting because they usually would have faded by around about October, November, mm. but they were actually in bloom, and, and we did then and do some, some have pruning. flowered through Christmas. Yeah, even. yeah. So in fact, you've got what is a summer flowering jasmine. It's just it's just had a longer year than usual in flowering. Can you tell me the name, please? Uh, Jasmine Aficionale. Can you spell that? Yeah, uh, J-A-S-J-A-S-M-I-N-M-I-N-U-M. U-M. That's his proper name. And then Aficionale, O-double-F-I-C-I-N-A-L-E. And it will then be a specific variety which we wouldn't necessarily... Yeah, there are some cultivars of that one, so there might be some slightly enhanced whites or smaller flowers, so it's a lovely fragrant plant. All right, then. Hold on. Oh, any garden centre will have that, any. Any good garden centre. They might not have them in right now. No, they might have some stock from last year. When they're young, they're not 100% hardy. Right, Okay. All right. Thank you very much. And plant it on some a nice warm wall, a warm fence, wa- somewhere warm. Somewhere warm. I've got to put it up a trellis in the front in the front of the house. As long as it's facing a decent, it's not north facing or something like that. Okay. Because it does want sun. Needs sun, really. Yeah. All right. Honey, there. Thank you very much. That's Super. a pleasure. That's Christina over in Cambridgeshire. Uh, Patricia, where are we going? Patricia now in Rushmere. Hello, Patricia. Hello. <laughs> Um, I, I was uh, wondering uh, what I'm doing wrong with my peace lily. Um, it's it's um, very vigorous and yes. it's um, growing quite well, but I can't get it to flower. Right. Are you feeding it? Uh, not at the moment, no. Do you feed it? I do, yes. And what do you feed it with? A houseplant food or...? Yeah, houseplant food, yeah. Right. Well, what I would do is... it. And have you repotted it is my next question. Yes. When did you repot it? Um, about Last, a year ago. About a year ago. Right, OK. This year, don't stop feeding it completely. Mm-hmm. Don't feed it at all. And let it completely dry out to the point where the leaves are nearly starting to droop. Oh, right, yeah. Then water it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And then wait to, for that to happen again. You're putting it under stress, which is what uh, Tom was talking about earlier, is that a lot of plants, if you get them to stress, they will flower. And I oh, wouldn't right. feed it at all. So I bet you've got lovely green growth, haven't you? I have, yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. Mm. So you're, what you're doing is starving it. You're starting to starve it, and that way you'll get it into flower. Right. OK, then. Have, it, have a go and come back to us and let us know whether we're successful. <laughs> and definitely don't repot it. They like, it's another plant that likes being restricted, being doesn't it? restricted yeah. and that might be another reason why it's not flowering. Oh, well, it does look sort of quite... Um, a- you know, tighten the pot at the moment. That's what you want. You want it to be full, pushing the sides of the plant of the pot out. That's what you want. Yeah. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah. Thank, 
Thank you. That's Patricia in Rushmore. 0300 200 4041. We can squeeze you in before 12 o'clock when Kath Melandry's up talking about long distances. Mm. You haven't thought any more songs. I'm thinking. One way to Tipperary you came up with, isn't it? I am, I've a young four-year-old hazelnut tree. Last year, I managed to get one nut, and it was gorgeous, says Harry in Clayton. But the squirrel's got the rest. What can I do to protect my nuts from the squirrels for the <laughs> season ahead? That's the $24 million really, question. It is. Not a lot, I think, is no. the answer. If you've got squirrels, you won't end up with hazels, will you? Really. You won't end up with walnuts. You well, won't... you might have hazels everywhere else where they've they will. dropped be, all those nuts. They'll be growing, <laughs> won't they? Um, there's no answer, no, is there, that not... I can think of, can you? There isn't really, is there? No. Um... No? You can't think of anything? I can't. Are there any sprays? Does, um, what's it, keep them off? Um, what is it called? The one we use for um, rabbits. It'll come to me in a minute. Anyway, you can't think of anything. I nope. can't think of anything other than whether you could use grazors. Grazors. You could the use. That's you the could li- try it. You could put that on. We use it at the front of the college to keep it off the off the bedding, and it well, does work. Rabbits, the rabbits off. Yeah, keep the rabbits off, and uh, sort of does work. It's it's worth trying. Worth trying. Yeah. They are grazors. Um, we did ask for Colin's update. I can't pronounce where he is. He's in a small village called. Kulibaki, K-U-L-E-B-A-K-I. Yes. He's listening via mobile. His temperature is minus five. (laughs) And thank you for the info. So nice to hear that you're listening in Russia in... How do you pronounce it? Got any ideas on that one? Kulibaki? (laughs) Kulibaki. Okay, we'll go for that. Thank you, Colin, for that. We've done the hazelnut, so let's move on to... uh, I have a large hibiscus bush that I would like to trim back as its growth is six inches a year. That's good. If you've got hibiscus, it grows six inches a year. That's very good. When should I prune it, and can I take the tips back to make it smaller? Ask Debbie. Well, I wouldn't do it at the moment. Neither will I, because they Um, they burn back and they forget frost, don't we? It's one of those interesting plants, really. Sometimes you... We've had this before. We've then said, don't prune so hard. And then someone phoned and saying, I pruned it very, very hard. Well, no, but they grow like well. Loads and loads of flowers. Yeah. Uh, I te- we tend to sort of uh, trim and thin after flowering. So the latter part of the season, we tend to do that. Um, we've got a t- couple of hibiscus, actually, at the college in the rose garden area. And some years, though, we do that. Some years, we just leave them alone. So they are? I'd, I'd leave it alone unless it's a nuisance. And but that one sounds very healthy. Yes, it does. So you could prune it back is the answer. OK, Debbie, but be careful because they don't like heavy pruning, no, do they? Not really. Um, hi, Tom and Ken, my lovely hot lips. Oh, Who's it from? Oh, it's all right. It's from Dave. <laughs> I normally likely prune in spring. It's broken badly by snow. I've had to prune down to 12 inches. It is in a 15-inch wide pot. Will it flower this summer? That's Dave in Wickford. It should do if it gets through the winter period. And we haven't had a horrendously heavy, heavy winter yet. Uh, so you just need to make sure, if it's in the pot, make sure the pot has got enough drainage in it, the water's not just sitting there, because that's the bit that's going to be the killer, that's going to kill off the root system. Uh, but if you can p- maintain the plant in a good state, there's no reason why it shouldn't start flowering in the s- summer. And they just a s- fabulous salvia, really, a lovely salvia. We've got them all over the college. Very striking, two-tone white and red uh, uh, coloured um Flowers, sort of lost my words there. <laughs> uh, but it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a lovely plant in the beds or in pots. 
the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. And next week, my guest will be Jeff Hodge. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0300 200 4041 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther every Saturday from 11.